Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, welcome to another episode of So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. For the defense, I'm Taylor Blake. For the offense, I'm Kyla Kathnedu. For the plaintiff, to use legal terms. For the (laughs) plaintiff. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I'm not even into sports balls, but that is what came out. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not into legalese either. No, no, I need to listen to more litigation true crime podcast i was gonna say Mm, that would do it (laughs) (laughs) well welcome back ladies and gentlemen of the jury for another episode we are not filing a suit on a typical pop culture reference instead we are doing some investigation into something we normally say we never do we're getting political this podcast political but don't turn it off yet (laughs) we are getting governmental yes this is political if you have strong feelings about the 80s and current events if you don't then just enjoy the ride with us and i just feel like we should tell you up front kyla and i are probably both in general pretty anti-communist so that's just a political spectrum You know, it it depends on the day or the the place, you know. But <laughs> I'd say for the most part, I'm a not a commie. Yeah, you don't bleed red, except that I, you do. Yeah, except that I really do. Literally, you bleed red. Yeah, it's <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> no, if I've learned anything though from watching movies such as The Majestic, with Jim Carrey. If I want to be a commie, though, I I can be a commie. That's what America is all about. <laughs> I need to see the majestic now. Yeah, you do. Well, should we kick it off with our fave segment? Our fave first segment? I think we should. The best, you know? The worst. <laughs> this episode, we're talking court cases because that's what we're getting into. Today is a little, little government court case, but these are smaller... Stars Hollow court cases. Mm-hmm. And we're mixing it up a little because there aren't that many lawsuits filed in Stars Hollow or in Hartford or at Yale. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk about our two combined favorite and least favorite. Because we're in agreement, guys. Yeah. So should we start with our worst and then end on a good note? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Worst court case. Worst is the custody battle between Luke and April's mom. Because, like, why? Why did she freak out so much, first of all? Mm -hmm. I don't know, Lorelai, she's with my kid. Like, calm yourself. Mm -hmm. They're engaged. You're letting him be a part of April's life. Trust. Relax. And April's the one who wanted to find him, and Luke didn't know she existed for the first 13 years of her life. So, of course, he doesn't have a deep relationship with her, because you didn't let him. And why would you think it was okay for your child 
to take her away from her dad with no promise of them ever seeing each other. Because yeah. what, what, what was even her thing? Like, she wasn't even going to try to send her over, right? Yeah, well, she was going to move to New Mexico with April to take care of her mom. Right. Which, that's legit. Mm-hmm. And obviously, April has a deeper, longer-lasting relationship with her mom, so it makes sense that she would go with her. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird that she'd be like, mm, no visitation, and mm, I don't like this Lorelai lady, even though there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, Lorelai has shown no inappropriate response to April being in Luke's life. Very strange. But the turnout, I mean, the result was good in that Luke got partial custody, joint custody of mm-hmm. April, which I don't know if that would really happen in real life, but it did happen. In yeah, Star-Solid. he at least got some visitation. I don't know how they define joint custody versus visitation, but like they figured it out, so she had to spend a certain amount of time with him. Yeah, I think it was joint custody, like, okay. which is the best he could have gotten. Yeah. And then Chris and Lorelai broke up. Which, I mean, sad because divorce, but also they were together for like two seconds, so. (laughs) Wasn't that much of a marriage at that point. Mm -hmm. So, in the case of Nardini versus Danes, we rule in favor of Luke Danes. Good job, Luke. Yep. Best? This one was a class action suit, I think, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. In the case of Emily Gilmore versus all of her maids leading up to however many she'd had in up till that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And then Lorelai gets in a sticky situation where she has to give testimony against her mother and She's supposed to be a character witness, and it doesn't go so well, but I think the maids have a point. Uh, yeah. Hilarious that Emily finally gets called out on that, because it's such a running joke in the show, and mm-hmm. then for her to actually be held accountable for that is unexpected and hilarious. Agreed. So, sorry, Emily. It didn't seem to have that many long-term repercussions, But I think in our case, we rule in favor of the class action suit of the maids. Doo-doo! I know. We should have a Judge Judy gabbler, like a chung-chung from Law & Order. I was... Yeah, that's what I'm (laughs) hearing in my head. Case is dismissed. Boom! Bring in the dancing lobsters. Okay, so we are back in episode five of the season one of Gilmore Girls, which is where we originally talked about Valley, the kitty version of Valley of the Dolls. One of my favorite episodes still, Valley Agreed. of the Dolls. Awesome movie. Just Nelly O'Hara. Nelly O'Hara. So if you did not listen to the episode, it's our episode six. I recommend it. Um enjoy. And also watch Valley of the Dolls. But uh, in that episode, the reason why they're talking about a kitty version of Valley of the Dolls is because Cinnamon dies and they have Cinnamon's wake. And Lorelai is supposed to go on her first date with Max Medina and she does not tell Rory, oops, until Max arrives at her door and Rory sees him and it was like, what is Mr. Medina doing at my house? And Lorelai runs over and tells Max, oh, I totally forgot um, we're throwing a wake for a cat. I promise I'm not crazy and I'm not lying to you. And uh, spoiler alert, they do end up going out on date later, just not that night. 
But Rory, a little distressed that Lorelai didn't tell her about a date with her teacher, because that's kind of sensitive. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai decides to explain it, whipping out this pop culture reference. Well, you found me. Listen, I have some explaining to do, okay? So sit right down in that tiny little chair, and I'm going to do it right now. That man on the porch was your teacher. Mom, I'm a little behind in school, but not so behind that I don't know who the teacher is. So? So, um, he, he and I were going to sort of hang out together. On a date? No, on something that could appear like a date to the untrained eye. And to your daughter's eye? It was a date. How long have you been dating him? I haven't. This was going to be the first time. And when were you planning on telling me about this? On your wedding? Oh, by the rehearsal dinner, at least. He's my teacher. I know. He teaches me things. Every day, in a very small classroom with a lot of other kids who probably aren't going to be high-fiving me when they find this out. I know, sweetie. And I told him that this was one of the things I was concerned about. And? And he felt we could be discreet. Unbelievable. Are you mad? Yes. Right. Because I'm dating him? Because you lied to me. I kept information from you. Information that I should have had. Information that would have come out eventually, like the Iran-Contra scandal. So you're Oliver North? No, I'm Fawn Hall. Mom. Well, she's much prettier. So I got to choose this pop culture reference, which I was a little unsure about going with a the Iran-Contra scandal, which <laughs> sounds like snooze fest, but... <laughs> thought wanted to switch it up and mostly I chose the reference because I had no idea what they were talking about when she referenced that I, I had no idea who those people were I didn't know what the Iran Contra scandal was all I knew was that Iran is a country <laughs> and that was it did you know what this was I remembered learning about the Iran Contra scandal in school and I probably could have told you it had something to do with Reagan in the 80s but that's about Mm -hmm. it and I knew it was a scandal because it was in the name (laughs) but I had no idea who Oliver North and Fawn Hall were I'm pretty sure we never talked about them when I learned about the Iran-Contra scandal in school Mm -hmm. well I remembered nothing I don't remember learning about it so this was all brand new to me But YouTube has a video of their hearings of Oliver North and Fawn Hall giving testimony. And I'm a bit of a nerd. I've gone back and watched, like, when Bill Clinton was interviewed about, you know, his stuff. And uh, I think that I find that really interesting. If there's a YouTube video of it, of history, I'm probably going to be willing to watch it. Mm. Catnip for Kyla. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) so iran contra scandal well i also found a reference to the iran contra scandal in season 7 episode 18 of gilmore girls interesting here's the clip tell me about the interview i want to hear everything you walked in the door i want to hear what kind of door you sat in a chair what kind of chair go i met the editor kate hessel and she invited me in i sat down we started talking and we just had so much to talk about it was great it was an amazing interview wow that's great it was we talked about seymour hirsch and how he was comparing iran to nicaragua and the contra war and everything so i would say it's a good thing that they covered iran contra in the first season of gilmore girls because then Rory knew all, we knew she knew all about it for her job interview in season seven. Yeah, that's probably, uh, her mom probably talked to her about it. They discussed it at length, and then now she's well-versed in it. 
in her post-college interviews. And I guess Rory would have been a baby about the time the Iran-Contra scandal happened. Because if she's 16 in 2000, she would have been born in 84. So she would be a toddler, Mm -hmm. like two or three years old. So she was not conscious during that. But Lorelai was. Though, to be honest, I could honestly see Lorelai propping Rory in front of the TV to watch the Fawn Hall testimony together. Do you think that Rory would have known what was happening, though? No. But, no. according to Richard, you know, she can she could cite the periodic table in kindergarten or whatever. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, this was a big deal. I mean, clearly, if it's referenced here as if, you know, just mentioning their names, they didn't have to get into it. And people mm-hmm. at the time would know what it was. And actually, my I talked to my dad about it. Mm-hmm. And he knew exactly what it was. It was a very big deal at the time. And he, I asked him to compare it to something that has happened during my conscious years. And he couldn't think of anything, hmm. which I think says a lot. Yeah. So what is the Iran-Contra scandal? Well, Kyla and I both watched an episode of CNN's The 80s, which mm-hmm. if you haven't watched this documentary series, it's very cool. I haven't finished it yet. I'm still in the middle. I'm on episode six. And this is episode three, Reagan Revolution, and it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. But that way we'd kind of have the same base to start with and then do our own research. So a little background, because there are a lot of moving pieces in this, and I had to do, I had to (laughs) slow down, type up some bullet points as I was watching this. I had to look at some other articles just to try and keep all these pieces straight. So jump in if I leave anything out. I will. But basically, in the 80s, the Contras were a group of people trying to overthrow the Sandinistas, which was a leftist group in Nicaragua. And so the Contras were the rebels. And because Reagan was all about defeating the commies, Mm -hmm. he was like, yo, we got to support the Contras. We got to try and defeat these Sandinistas down in Nicaragua. Yeah. That is not how Reagan talked at all. (laughs) But then the Democratic-controlled Congress passed the Boland Amendment. And the Boland Amendment was basically like the CIA. They were seeing what was happening down Nicaragua, and they carried out a series of acts of sabotage. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't let Congress know ahead of time. And Congress was like, yeah, if you're going to go down in Nicaragua and help out the Contras, you should probably talk to us first. Now we're pretty pissed at you, and uh, we're going to pass the Bullen Amendment, which says you can't help the Contras. So there you go, which is a total bummer for Reagan, because he's like, yo, we got to support the Contras and defeat the commies. (laughs) (laughs) So there we go. That's what's going on in South America. Meanwhile, let's jump over to the Middle East. I told you, there are pieces. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Lebanon, a lot of Americans were getting captured by some terrorists. And these were actually Iranian terrorists living in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And there had been some unrest because the U.S. had just pulled some troops out of Lebanon after trying to help with some internal conflicts there. And then it basically, I think, created this power vacuum after they left. 
And by all accounts, I think Reagan was really affected by these hostages. He felt really responsible for trying to get them out of this situation. And mm-hmm. he, apparently this was something he was, I mean, like top of mind for him and really affected him. Well, because there were even hostages before taken when Carter was in office before him. Yeah. And so he came in and like within the first hour of him being there, he had hostages released. Yeah. Which is a super great first day of presidency and was a terrible legacy for Carter. Right. So then this is where things get to start getting a little shifty. Yeah. Apparently, Reagan had said to National Security Advisor Robert McFarlane, I want you to do whatever you have to do to help the Contras. Wink, wink. Yep. So there's that element there. Meanwhile, they have all these Iranians taking Americans hostage in Lebanon, and Iran asks the U.S. for some missiles, which is also against the law because they're kind of a terrorist sympathizing nation, and so it's not yeah. a, they're not allowed to sell them arms. So, in this weird covert thing, the U.S. sells something like 1,500 missiles to Iran which they thought would then encourage the Iranian terrorists to let the Americans go. And the people in the National Security Council were like, yo, we've got lots of extra money here from the sale from Iran, so we'll put that money to the Contras, and it's all off the books. And then Congress never has to know that we gave them money. So there Mm -hmm. we go. We're fighting the commies, and we're freeing hostages. And the thing was, is that America has a stance we do not negotiate with terrorists. Yep. And which some have chosen to, but Reagan's stance the whole time was, we're not selling, we're not trading weapons for people. We're selling them weapons, mm-hmm. and then later some people come home. So mm-hmm. what, what what's the big deal? So that was that was why I was in part off the books. You know, we were supposed to be selling weapons, supposed to be negotiating with terrorists. We're not supposed to be helping the Contras, and they were just doing all that with one swift. Yep. So then this Lebanese newspaper is like, "Hey, some shifty stuff is going on here. Here's they're accusing them of selling stuff to Iran." And so then Reagan goes on TV and he's like, no, we definitely didn't do this. I definitely didn't have relations with Iran. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have relations with that country. But then a week later, he has to go back on TV and be like, actually, just kidding. But actually. We kind of did. And that's where things. Then the next question was, okay, what did Reagan know and when did he know it? Because he says, well, I didn't know the money was going to the Contras. I only knew about the Iranian hostage deal crisis thing, whatever. That's what he called it, by the way, too. Iranian what did hostage, he call it? Iranian hostage deal crisis, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were lots of questions about his leadership. Basically, mm-hmm. if he didn't know this, how is he running the ship well? How is he running the White House? And did people, it sounded, it seemed like a lot of people were shielding him, such as Oliver North. Mm-hmm. He was one of the main players in that. So, yeah, then they have to go on all these months and months of court hearings to try and get to the bottom of what is going on here. That's basically it. I think 
that's not, that seemed digestible. I hope that yeah. was digestible. I think that's the big picture of the Iran Contra scandal. Basically, mm-hmm. doing things you shouldn't do because it's against your policy to try and do mostly good things. At least mm-hmm. in your mind, you can debate about whether or not you should be overthrowing a regime in another country. But I think the intent <laughs> was at least well-meaning, question mark. Right. And as far as with Oliver North, people really believe that it was good intentions. Again, I talked to my dad about it just because I wanted to talk to someone who would have been watching the news when this happened. And he certainly would have been. And right away, he knew what I was talking about. I asked him, though, specifically about Oliver North because, you know, in the CNN documentary, they the news reporters were saying, these congressmen are having a tough time throwing off his testimony when his claims are that he did all of this for the good of the country. Patriot. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, yeah, he thought he was a hero. Didn't want to see him have any jail time. And... Oliver North has gone on to have a fine life. You know that he went through those hearings, but um, all his convictions were vacated and reversed, and they were all dismissed by 1991. And this happened between 1985 and 1987. So it didn't take long Mm -hmm. for all of his repercussions to be taken away. Yeah, well, George Bush, when he became president, George H.W. Bush became president after Reagan, he gave Oliver North and a few other people involved in the scandal full pardons. Oh, and that's how they were able to. Okay, I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here's just a little something my dad said about it I thought was interesting. What was the feeling about the Iran-Contra scandal? Oh, uh, back then I was thinking, well, why doesn't the U.S. government help them? And... I don't remember who was blocking this. There was a law written in that they couldn't fund the the group in Nicaragua. Oh, okay. And that was why. So, yeah, that's right. So a law was broken that was on the books. Mm-hmm. So, so did you and others kind of think, well, I'm glad that these troops got help against their communist government? I mean, were, were you kind of glad? Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who else would have helped them. Uh, but there was there was a big struggle going on back then with especially in those days communism against uh, a free societies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think most people didn't want to see another government fall to communism. Mm-hmm. So, Earth, he was the um military person in the u.s who Mm -hmm. really oversaw this and he admitted to it Mm -hmm. but his testimony was such that he did it for the good of the country Mm -hmm. you know anti-communism which is Mm kind of sounds like your sentiment and so do you remember viewing him as kind of a hero or like not wanting him to have jail time oh yes yeah i think uh a lot of people didn't want to see him jail time in fact today he's still revered and seen on invited on news shows for mm. interviews and he's had uh, some tv shows i believe wow. that that uh, that he's hosted 
So he's, he's a very respected person today. He's not uh, looked down upon. He looks, he's looked at as a hero. So Oliver North, that was who Rory thought Lorelai was, but Lorelai didn't want to be Oliver North, which I don't get. Ollie, pretty handsome guy in his time. I would agree. Not a bad-looking guy. No, he's pretty old now, but he does have, he's pretty <laughs> suave. Like, And I think, too, when you are going through a hearing, when you're on trial and it's, on, it, it's televised, that mm-hmm. suave. <laughs> was probably pretty important for him. I would probably agree. Probably helped him out. And that's also part of why Fawn Hall, I think, was such a newsmaker. She had a really good screen presence. She had a mm-hmm. lot of confidence. And mm-hmm. she was very attractive as well. See, now that's that's something to debate. Hot or not. I don't know. I think Oliver <laughs> North was more attractive than Fawn Hall. But. Interesting. Controversial opinion from Kyla over here. Oh. <laughs> uh. But yeah, he went on to have, he was best-selling author, of course, I'm sure, because he wrote a book about the Iran-Contra scandal, Mm -hmm. and he had a show on Fox News for 15 years, War Stories with Oliver North. Yeah. So he's been, gone on to do just fine. And uh, I watched an interview, though, with him and Charlie Rose from 1991, so you know, right after his charges were vacated. I'm sure it was soon after that Charlie got him on. And he had some interesting things to say. He did not take back anything that he did. He stood by his actions completely. Which, you know, a lot of times when people look back at things they did, they'll say, yeah, you know, I made a mistake here or here and there. And he did admit that some things were maybe unethical, but that it was all worth it. So Charlie asked him about what his proudest moment was in his life and he was referencing something different and Oliver said nope in fact this was my proudest moment was that your proudest moment Achille Laura oh actually my proudest moment was in February of uh, 1990 when Violetta Chamorro was elected as the first democratic president of uh, of Nicaragua would not have happened unless Ollie North and Ronald Reagan and Bill Casey had had a chance to do what they did despite the Bolin Amendment, despite uh, congressional restrictions on funding. Yeah. You believe that? I sure do. Yeah, that you want that to be your legacy? Well, I don't think it's whether I want it to be or not. It is. Uh, the fact But you're proud of that. I, I am proud of it. Yeah. So he's really proud of himself for what he did. And I think, like, I think there's something upstanding about that, like, deciding what you think is right, whether it mm-hmm. is against the law, because laws aren't always right, you know. Flawed people make laws. They're not always what's best. I'm not saying that this, I'm not giving an opinion on either side of this, but, you know, just the fact that not all laws are, are best. And he decided what he thought was right, and he did that, and he stood by it. I, I don't know, I can't, I just feel like I can't argue with that too much. I do think... It's interesting, he wasn't just doing it because he felt like he had to do it to keep his job. He didn't do it because Mm -hmm. he was just trying to get ahead. He did it because he really believed it was right. Yeah. Which seems a lot less slimy. Right, and that's why I'm saying, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because whether or not it was right, he made that decision for himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know if I agree with his decision, but I don't think it feels slimy in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Olive North. Yeah. There he is. Well, and it's interesting that you say that the law is not necessarily always right. Because that is part of the thing. That was how Fawn Hall felt in her testimony, mm-hmm. which I watched some of. She talked about how sometimes it's necessary to go above the written law. And I think after she said it, she kind of realized, like, oh, I maybe, maybe didn't say the best thing that I should have said in court. But she testified after she got immunity. Mm. So she was able to kind of say whatever she wanted and not have to worry about that. But in her opening statement, which I watched, she spent a lot of it talking about how great she thought Oliver North was. For the nearly four years that I worked for Lieutenant Colonel North, my hours were long and arduous, but I found my job to be most fulfilling. During my tenure at the National Security Council, I came to have enormous admiration and respect for not only Lieutenant Colonel North, but for many with whom we worked. I admired them not only for their hard work and professional abilities, but also for their selflessness and deep sense of dedication and loyalty to the president and our country. So they called her in to talk because she had shredded a lot of documents and telephone logs and they had had a quote unquote shredding party, (laughs) which had happened right around the time stuff about the Iran-Contra scandal was coming out in the news. She also got some questionable attention because she was also a model, which people were giving. She was? Yeah. And it was (laughs) sort of weird. Like, I think people thought that she was a ditz. So in her opening Mm. statement, she made sure that she was like, I'm smart. I'm good at my job, (laughs) which I kind of love. But then she also mentioned some casually mm, questionable things. Like she told a story about how she needed some money and Oliver North loaned her the money. But he said, make sure you pay back the money. It's not mine. And then I think she found out it was government money, but she didn't know it at the time. And she just kind of said, it's my policy not to ask questions. Which is probably not a good policy to have in life. I agree. And so listening (laughs) to her talk, she had a lot of things like she was saying, like, this was my job. I just did as I was told. I wanted to be good at my job. And I part of me sympathizes with that. But also, it seems like if you're just going to you got to think for yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways that was maybe the downfall here was, well, I'm just, you know, she's not the person in charge. So the decisions weren't hers, but she went along with it without asking any questions. And isn't that kind of the opposite of what Oliver North did? Well, I that's... Mean, he was he was being instructed to, but, or encouraged, you know, it's hard to say for sure. But he was still making a decision for himself Mm -hmm. to act in a way in his job that was against the law. Well, and that's what's questionable is, did Reagan and Vice President Bush know? Because he said, I fully believed the president knew. I never talked to him personally. 
but I fully believed that he knew everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. And then, but then there was no evidence that the two of them ever knew. They still haven't found any evidence that the two of them knew for sure, which seems weird. Yeah. But who's to say? I wasn't there. Teflon president. Exactly. And that was the thing. His approval rating dropped a lot when this happened. And Mm -hmm. something like only 14% of Americans believed he was actually telling the truth. Oh, wow. (laughs) Here's the actual. Yeah. Only 14% of Americans believed the president when he said he had not traded arms for hostages. So that's not a great statistic. Yeah. And a lot of people were comparing this to Watergate. They were thinking, oh, no, this is the same thing over again. But then he kind of bounced back and they Mm -hmm. elected Bush as vice president. And I think crazy. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with. Whereas Nixon, what he did was all about political gain and trying to help himself. Even though this was unethical. It was about trying to defeat communists and free hostages, which wasn't necessarily... And he would never earn political points for it if nobody ever found out. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it does not happen often that a two-term president is succeeded by someone of his own party, especially Mm -hmm. his own vice president. I mean, Mm -hmm. that rarely happens. And it sounds like people just were like, we just don't want to go through another scandal again and have to go through this crazy news cycle. And um... We hear ya. <laughs> <laughs> but that just seems like a crazy... They didn't want to go through it, so they just turned a blind eye? I, I mean... Well, and I will say, here's something I do think that's classy. When... Another person who was in an Iran-Contra hearing, Admiral Poindexter was his name. He was on the National Security Council. (laughs) I love that name, Poindexter. Poindexter. Oh, my gosh. He was above Oliver North, I believe, maybe his boss. And in the hearings, he was like, hey, this is my fault. The buck stops with me. I didn't tell the president, but I was responsible for this. He put me in charge. Everything here is my fault. Blame it on me. Don't blame Mm -hmm. the president. But then Reagan had a national address, and he said this. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to talk about some of the lessons we've learned. I was stubborn in my pursuit of a policy that went astray. Yet the buck does not stop with Admiral Poindexter, as he stated in his testimony. It stops with me. I am the one who is ultimately accountable to the American people. Yeah, I did think that was really classy of him, Mm -hmm. because he didn't have to do that. No. Like, what was his reasoning for that? I don't know. That's a great question, because I'm not sure many political leaders would do that today. Take responsibility, even if Reagan didn't know, mm-hmm. which, who knows? We have no idea if he knew or not. But assuming he didn't know, he didn't have to do that. Right. And he did it anyway. One thing that's very different is even if what Reagan did was a horrible blunder... At least it wasn't for political gain. This wasn't a dirty trick against the opposition party. So it wasn't the same as Watergate. A lot of Americans didn't want to go through that again. They wanted to give the president the benefit of the doubt. Ronald Reagan was thought of as the Teflon president because reporters couldn't touch him. 
He could make mistakes, but the voters didn't care. They cared about Reagan's grand vision of a better country. So Reagan was a classy guy. But by extension, does that make Oliver North a classy guy, and therefore Lorelai a classy gal? Don't think it was very classy to not tell your daughter that you're going to date her teacher. Yeah, in some ways, less noble than Oliver North breaking the law. <laughs> and overthrowing a government. <laughs> <laughs> so... Do we understand this, Taylor? So Lorelai says, no, well, Rory says, you're Oliver North because she withheld information. And Lorelai retorts that she'd rather be Fawn Hall because she's prettier. But either way, she owns up to the fact that she was withholding information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does. Although Fawn Hall, but Fawn Hall was not the one withholding so much information. Once was... she got immunity, she was happy to spill. Yeah, that's true. So, really, uh, Lorelai was Oliver North doing things on the DL, not telling those, not an authority, but people who are uh, pertinent, not sharing <laughs> pertinent information, and really going against, I would say, like an unspoken law mm. of dating your child's teacher. So, does well, this make. You're your teenage child. Yeah. So does this make Max the illegal arms deal or the money funding to the Contras? Uh, <laughs> brain overload shutting. No. Hey, Fembot. <laughs> welcome back. Hello. I'm a humanoid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to answer that one, Taylor? You, you got the answer to that mm, one? Maybe I asked you because I didn't know the answer and I was hoping you'd take it. <laughs> um, let's see. Max was... I think he was the... That date was the... Was funding the Contras. <laughs> but them beginning a relationship was the arms deal. And... That began... That led to the date... That really brought light to what was going on. And maybe Max himself was a hostage being held in Lebanon. Because he's stuck in the middle and has no control over the situation. We went went like high school English teacher deep on this one. Not college professor, just high school English. (laughs) Well, I guess maybe I had different high school. I had a pretty nutty high school English teacher that... You know, the blue dress, all that crazy stuff. Blue you know, dresses it's like make the you co- crazy? No, like the color of the dress that the character was wearing means that she oh. felt this, all that craziness. I see. See, I'm kind of a nerd for that kind of thing. So I think I might have enjoyed your English class. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I can appreciate the thought behind it, but... It got to a point. No. No more. And maybe a point like we just made that was really contrived. Yeah. Yeah. About how (laughs) Max was a hostage in Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah. I would not compare this situation to being held hostage by a terrorist. Let's be real and not insensitive. These are very different situations. Yeah. (laughs) 
A clarification appreciated, Taylor. So I get this reference now, and it's pretty Same. good. That's uh, I solid, solid writing. Yes, I think this is an apt reference for this scene for sure. And I think it shows how smart Rory was in her job interview. Good job, Rory. Is this case closed? Chung chung. I'd say so. This case is closed. We're moving on to... So it's a song. In episode 110, there is a nice progression of Christmas songs in this episode as we go through the spirit and seasons Hmm. and the emotional progression of Christmas, I'd say. So we start out with Rory going to Emily and Richard's Christmas party and Lorelai's not invited. No and apple tarts. I know. And Santa Claus is coming to town is playing in the background. Thank you. Hold on. Thank you. Oh, no, no, thank you. I think she's right. And I think it's appropriate that they're saying you better not watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. And Lorelai's at home pouting, and Rory's sad that Lorelai's not there. And Emily's probably really ready to tell you how you've been good or bad this year. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Then we jump to Lorelai at home by herself, and she's listening to Christmas rapping by the waitresses, which is, no lie, one of my all-time favorite Christmas (laughs) songs. Yes, Joe, I know it's Friday night, but I ordered my pizza an hour ago. No, I did not hear about the delivery van. And this song is all about how the singer of this song is staying home for Christmas all alone because this year's been crazy and she doesn't have anything to do and she's been trying to find this guy she likes and finally they reunite on Christmas Eve because of Christmas magic and they both forgot cranberries Mm. for their Christmas turkeys. Meanwhile, while Lorelai is listening to this, Her pizza's an hour late. She's not getting apple tarts. She's eating salad from a bag by herself. And then Dean shows up, and they finally resolve their issues after Dean and Rory fell asleep after the dance. Then we go into the beautiful, depending on who you talk to, I don't really love this song. this is Christmas. But Kyla does. Look, I think I'm wearing it down. Mm-hmm. The John Lennon Christmas song, all about how war is over, while Rory and Lorelai are making up in front of the vending machines at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Perfect. He told me nothing happened. Nothing did. I know. You do? Really? Rory, there are only two things that I totally trust in this entire world. The fact that I will never be able to understand what Charo is saying, no matter how long she lives in this country, and you. And then, at the very end of the episode, Lorelai gives Luke the iconic blue hat, and the song Thanks for Christmas by XTC plays, which talks all about snow falling down all around the world, and all the beauty of Christmas. Hey, how's your dad? Better. Though he says life is not life unless it includes a steak. 
well, yay, that's so sweet. Christmas music to weave through the many ups and downs of this episode. And all of these songs will be on our So It's a Show, the mixtape playlist. So if you need to cheat and listen to Christmas music a little early, you can blame it on us. We gotcha. Mm-hmm. And listen to my favorite modern Christmas song of all time, Christmas Woo! Rapping, which is so ridiculous. <laughs> Taylor. So, Kyla. That's our show? That's our show! Woohoo! <laughs> Number 24. Oh my goodness. Season finale is coming at you next, guys, after this. Boom. What's gonna happen? Thank you for tuning in for a little bit of a different episode and going back in time with us a little bit. And uh, I hope it was digestible. It was fun. Agreed. For me. Me too. Yay. I'm a little biased. A little bit. But we didn't get in the mm-hmm. weeds. I don't think you got in the weeds as much as you did with Nancy and Tanya. I know. I got way in the weeds with that Nancy and Tanya. Not that so much intense. with Irene Contra. Which, uh, I, Tanya, trailer's out. We should share that on Twitter. Good call. And can I do a podcast recommendation? Do it. Off book, off book. Okay, I've been listening to this off book. It is the improvised musical podcast, the improvised musicals, no joke. They have a pianist. When he starts playing, they start singing. New guests every time. It's hysterical what they come up with. You just never know what what it's going to be about. Just when the guy starts playing, they start singing. It's hilarious. I recommend it. Especially their Halloween episode. To go back to, you know, previous holiday that just happened. That is crazy bananas. I gotta check that out. Here's my podcast recommendation for the week. Secret Life of Weddings. It's in the Lady Pod Squad that we are a part of. Which is a group of awesome female podcasters that are here Mm -hmm. to support each other. And give advice and promote each other. And... As one who has eight weddings to go to this year, this show is very cathartic for me because it basically tells all the disaster stories of weddings that make every wedding you've ever been to seem perfect. Oh, that's scary to me. (laughs) So maybe if you're planning a wedding, don't listen to this. Yeah, no. Maybe listen to it afterward and then you'll feel really great about it, but there are all sorts of crazy stories about mishaps of waiters falling through the floor and (laughs) flowers not showing up where they're supposed to and um, the groom getting up at the reception and saying the bride's not here because actually she's been cheating on me and thanks for the cash. Enjoy the party. (laughs) We're getting our marriage annulled. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow, that would be interesting. I know, but it's a very funny show. And way to go, ladies, sharing these crazy stories. And it's hosted by two wedding photographers, so Uh, they know what's up. Yeah. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. Well, Taylor, it's been fun. And uh, if you guys think, if you guys had as much fun as we did, please rate us, share a review on iTunes. We Mm -hmm. would love to hear more. And we actually have a new review. 
nice. So, uh, thanks for that. I think it's from someone that you and I both know. Oh. And our listeners know. From Maddie XB. I don't Whoa. know. I feel like that's Maddie. She said, these ladies rock. Aw. If you love Gilmore and pop culture refs, check it out. Pod on. Aw, thanks, Pod Maddie. On. Yeah, thanks, Maddie. We appreciate it. Keep them coming, guys. We love these things. They help people find us. They help us know what you like, what you don't like. So, uh, yeah, you can also shoot us an email. So it's a show at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at so it's a show. We're all over. You can find us on Tumblr. So it's a show podcast.tumblr.com. You can find Kyla on Twitter, too. Yeah, you can. can. You? Yeah. At Kyla Kahneru. K-Y-L-A-C-A-R-N-E-I-R-O. You can also find Taylor, I think. Mm, yeah, it depends on if he, I'm feeling like it. You can also find me at John Mayer because his tweets are amazing. Oh, my gosh. And they often speak to me. But really, you can find me at tblake24. <laughs> thanks guys we'll be talking at you pretty soon yeah and we'll probably be re-watching Stranger Things until then yeah yeah here's next step sweetie I promise Saturday night we'll do it up right at home a star's hollow extravaganza <laughs> <laughs>